Welcome to Sex at College, a podcast about sexuality and sex-related topics created by the students of INT WGS 326, Sexuality, Advocacy, and Justice at GVSU. This podcast contains adult content. This is a GV podcast. Hello. My name is Jaden, and today I'll be your host in this episode of Sex at College. Soon, we will be diving into a discussion on queer rape culture, but first, we must provide some warnings. This podcast will discuss sensitive topics of rape, sexual assault, and adult language will be used. When we live in a society that prioritizes some bodies over others and places levels of importance upon them, it can become tough to be who you are and stay safe. It is an unfortunate reality for so many that some of our bodies are coded as more vulnerable to sexual assault. Those of us in the LGBTQIA community know this much too well. The discussions surrounding rape culture have been predominantly occupied by the violence of cisgender heterosexual men. Queer voices and the stories of in-community sexual assault have been removed from the conversation, even in large movements like hashtag MeToo. More often than not, queer stories are not told out of fear of reinforcing the bad stereotypes, portraying queer people as predators, losing found family, and much more. Today, we will hear from Sabri, Ari, and Savannah as we discuss what exactly rape culture is, what it means in the context of queer community, and why it is so important to talk about in-community sexual assault and share our stories. So to start off, what exactly is rape culture? By definition, rape culture is an environment or culture in which sexual violence is normalized due to the societal attitudes towards gender and sexuality. It is commonly associated with behaviors like sexual objectification, victim blaming, slut shaming, and the trivialization and glamorization of sexual violence. For queer individuals, the normative discussions of rape culture do not always encapsulate their experiences. When we discuss these topics, we are typically using a binary, where we speak of a male assailant and a female victim. This strict dynamic excludes those who do not identify with the cisgender experience. This really ends up pushing out those queer voices and stories when they so desperately need to be heard. And sadly, this is not the only barrier to shedding light on some of these stories. So, joining us first, Sabri. Queer rape culture is such an important topic, but it's hardly ever talked about both within or outside the queer and trans community. Why is that? I feel like there's a lot of reasons for it, both general and specific to queer and trans people. Rape and sexual violence is not very well addressed in any community, and that's for many reasons. A lot of the time, experiences of rape and sexual violence are shrouded in shame and denial by both society and the victims themselves, effectively silencing a lot of survivors' voices. There's also a complete lack of education surrounding explicit and informed consent and what rape and sexual violence actually is, so it can be very difficult for queer victims to recognize it when they experience it. However, there are a lot more specific reasons for why queer sexual violence and rape isn't talked about or considered even within mainstream movements like Me Too, which are centered around rape culture. Oftentimes, there's a fear that sharing stories and talking about sexual assault within the community 
will reinforce negative stereotypes that exist in heteronormative society that label queer and trans people as sexual predators and perverts. There's also a lot of denial surrounding experiences of queer sexual assault, which stems from this idea of we were both queer. How could something like this happen? Like there's this idea that other queer people cannot be abusive or cause harm to other people in the community when folks in the queer and trans community already experience so much from outside of it. Like how could someone who shares this admittedly shitty collective experience perpetuate these terrible things within the community? There's also like the cold fact that we have to acknowledge of the fact that a lot of times queer folks don't really have anywhere to go with their stories. Oftentimes survivors and their abusers share the same social circles and found families, so they feel like they have nowhere to turn when this happens to them. Resources of queer survivors are pretty scarce as well. Their stories and experiences aren't able to get told or shared because they aren't given enough of a platform or resources to actually tell them. And even when accessing resources or platforms that do exist, queer folks need to come out before they can actually come out with their stories. Okay, so how does the intersection of race and sexuality come into play in terms of rape culture? It'll be to no surprise that much of what Sabri said applies here too, except even deeper. Uh, talking about rape culture in queer communities is one thing, but talking about it in queer and POC communities is a completely different thing entirely. Firstly, uh, the population has a lot to do with this, specifically in the US, obviously, because that's where we are. <laughs> we live in a country where white people make up a massive majority of the population, actually like 76% of the population. So obviously, if there are more white folks, then there are more queer white folks, and subsequently more queer spaces are occupied by said queer white folks. So now, what does that have to do with anything? Good question, imaginary person. Uh, let me answer. Community. Obviously, a lot of queer folks have to choose their own families after being disowned or shamed by their given family or even just to find some sense of belonging with people who understand them more than their birth families could. Uh, and while the queer community in a given area of the world is already small, the queer POC community is even smaller. All that to say, if an instance of rape or sexual assault happens in one of those itty bitty communities of queer POC, there's a huge chance that everyone involved knows someone who knows someone who knows someone. So talking about it and sharing one story could result in a complete and potentially polarizing rupture of a chosen family. Also, as Sabri mentioned, there's the idea of, well, we're all queer, so how could this happen? And in POC communities, that's even more prevalent. Everyone in queer and people of color spaces are even lower on the social totem pole, per se. Uh, so like Sabri said, why would one wildly oppressed like, person stoop so low as to assault another, another wildly oppressed person? It just doesn't make sense, right? And even if they did, how can I, as a black person, subject my brother, my sister, or my sibling to a system that treats people of color so poorly? That's literally like calling the cops on a black man. It's a death sentence. So the victims of rape and sexual assault within these communities will have these thoughts over and over again, perpetuating their subconscious on a loop, and it results in just never saying a word about it. And the cycle continues and continues. Instead of ever talking about queer rape culture in a way that actually helps queer people, it becomes content for media discourse. The only way it's ever portrayed in movies or television is typically as prison rape, and it's almost always played as a joke. 
Yeah, like Deadpool and Guardians of the Galaxy and Family Guy in like every single episode. Exactly. And if our media doesn't take it seriously, how can anyone who doesn't know as much about the topic take it seriously? So how does this translate from the screen to real life? Back when the Me Too movement was taking place, it was mostly surrounding the struggles of straight women in Hollywood. But there was one case that actually represented queer people, the case with Kevin Spacey. Anthony Rapp accused Spacey of making sexual advances towards him in 1986, when Spacey was well into his 20s and Rapp was only 14 years old. As horrific as these events were, Spacey's immediate response was to come out as gay and then blame his one mistake, as he says, on being gay and drunk. However, this one mistake was actually one of at least 30. By 2018, he had around 30 allegations against him and he blamed all of them on the fact that he was gay, implying that gay men are naturally predatory, which is the exact reason many queer people don't come out with their stories as to not perpetuate the stereotypes. Outside of the big names like Kevin Spacey, a lot of queer stories aren't told and they don't get a spotlight put on them. One instance of this can be seen with the punk band Girlwood. Drummer Karen accused singer Reg of raping her shortly after they had met. This band uh, specifically wrote about their sexual traumas that they had experienced in the past and how they dealt with it through their music. They also reached out to a lot of queer young fans to help them. Yet behind all of this, they were dealing with an incredibly abusive relationship that began with rape and continued again because of the power dynamic and the hopes of being able to break into the music industry. A lot of the discourse surrounding the story seems to follow, as Sabri said, the idea of how could this possibly happen? We're all queer. We all have shared experiences of sexual trauma. So how could this happen? Everything that you just said, Savannah, it makes me think of um, the situation with Terry Crews that happened, I want to say last year, in like 2019. Um, he was sexually assaulted. He's, he's a straight man. He was sexually assaulted by a gay guy at a club. And uh, everyone either was on the side of laughing at him and saying that his big, strong, masculine, muscular man self should have like stood up for himself and decked the guy in the throat or on the side of, yeah, tell your story, it's important because there's not enough attention to like just men in general getting assaulted in things like that. And it's always like, like we were talking about, it's always portrayed as a joke. And at the end of all of it, Terry Crews himself decided that instead of keeping with his like story and keeping with the movement that was happening, he caved to the side that was treating it as a joke and apologized to the black community for not standing up for himself. And that says a lot right there because if more of these stories were talked about out loud on platforms, like we've been saying this entire time, I feel like the end of Terry Crews' story would have been something completely different and not so like it was a big step back and if we talked about it more it might have been something that could have been a step forward instead so as we have discussed there are a lot of factors that contribute to the silencing of queer stories 
whether it's a fear of reinforcing negative stereotypes, losing found family, undermining our progress in the queer narrative, or the suppression and demonization of queer people that we are constantly shown in the media. The discussion of queer rape culture is important because the institutional silence in response to victims of sexual assault and the erasure of queer stories in every aspect of life gaslights and silences queer victims of sexual assault. We need the stories of queer, in-community sexual assault to be told so that we can love each other and heal without re-perpetrating our trauma. These stories are located within a society that teaches us to hate ourselves. It teaches us that some bodies are more vulnerable to sexual assault and that it's our fault. The queer community should be a safe place for everyone to gather and feel safe and held by one another. It should be a place where our voices and our stories are heard. Trauma has the ability to connect people, and this connection can foster healing and community. It is also important to remember that the binary that is typically used to describe and explain sexual assault does not include the language necessary for queer individuals to identify and understand that they were actually sexually assaulted. This then consequently and unfortunately makes it difficult for some family and friends to understand as well, further keeping these stories in the dark. By staying silent, we are inflicting a secondary violence upon ourselves, and we are losing the potential to help and protect others in our community.